Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. And help me welcome our internet family, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, we had a little short video teaser in the middle of the videos there on Vision Day. And on Sunday, October 2nd, just a few weeks away, uh, it's going to be Vision Day. I'm going to be sharing with the church uh, some very exciting uh, vision and some new initiatives I believe the Lord has for us as a, as a church to do. So you do not want to miss uh, Vision Day, October 2nd. Can I get a hello or amen or something out of you? All right. I want to make sure you got that. Okay. Hey, and if I seem a little down today, um, it's because I had a really rough day yesterday. I've got a little picture of it here. And so, doesn't that look like me? We had a dear friend send a picture. That's the offense. I didn't have a bad day. Honestly, I had a great day. That's the offensive coordinator for, for the University of Kentucky. And he had a bad day yesterday. So, so bless you, buddy. And you're good looking. So, all right. Well, let's get into the word today. Are you ready for that? Uh, we're in a series called New View. And actually, there's nothing new about it. It really is what I believe God has intended all along for we as believers, how we are to present ourselves, present Christianity, present the church, present Jesus. And uh, here's the truth, and we've talked about it. Christianity uh, at large has an image problem. There's a lot of negative perception. Um, the list goes on, and a lot of it is very well founded that Christians have been hypocritical or judgmental or just plain weird or, or whatever. And here's the downside of it all. Uh, the problem is not with God. The problem is not with Jesus. The problem is not with the Bible. The problem is with people, quote, Christian. And, and here's the real troubling part of this. This is what moves me in this. And then, consequently, people reject Jesus. You know, because, well, I don't want to be like that. And I, you know, if, if becoming a Christian makes me like, I don't want that. And if church is that, I don't want, you know. And so ultimately what they end up rejecting and overlooking then is Jesus and, and his, his word that changes, changes our lives. So what we must do is work in every way to give a proper view of what Christianity really is so that people can see him. And, and we're working on that in this, in this series. Um, America is post-Christian. We were fundamentally a Christian nation, and then over the course of the last few decades, uh, we've been edged further and further out of the center. We've lost our place at the center. We're at the very edges of conversation, and now in the center of it all, um, you've got other ideologies and worldviews moving in there. And, And here's the thing, though. I'm not discouraged by this. Because what I realize is it's a, it's a matter of time, it's a matter of God, it's a matter of some things processing that people will realize. And if you study these things closely, they're very transient. Uh, they will find that these other worldviews and ideologies, they don't feel, uh, they don't fill, they don't heal, they don't bring hope, they don't bring purpose. And people still have, in a post-Christian nation, they still have a hunger for God. 
That's built within people, a hunger for God. And so this is the time now for us and for all believers to conduct ourselves right and present the gospel in the right way so that we can give a proper view so people can see clearly this is what I've been looking for. Amen. Can we get a good hearty amen on that here this morning? So a couple of things that we we want to keep in mind. I'm just going to list them for you, but I want you to kind of mark these in your mind. The first would be this, the authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture, very, very big and and fundamental to the whole thing. Secondly would be the complexity of issues. Okay, there's uh, issues are tougher than they've ever been. We need to be more informed. And then lastly would be the value of people, the value of people, that everyone is created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, then the likeness and image. And that image might be distorted somewhat by choices, by damage that the world and life has brought, but still we must value all people because all people are made in the image of God. Amen? So I shared with you on the first week that we find now Christianity and, quote, church in one of three categories. And I'm going to go over these categories and do some comparison here today. Um, Let me tell you that my subtitle today is Grace and Truth. Grace and Truth. Say that with me. Grace and truth. So that's going to be woven throughout this morning. Bear that in mind. The first category is what we'll call separatists. Separatists. I'll come back and I'll define these and, and we'll, we'll see some things about this as we compare them. Second would be cultural or blenders. And again, these are the categories that church or Christians are kind of lumped into. Separatists, cultural or blenders. And the third is ambassadors or good faith. Now, let me tell you that the one that we want to be and the one that I think we're tracking well on is we want to be ambassadors in good faith. Okay, so separatists, we'll just call church, let the word church represent church individually, church, uh, you know, uh, universally, you know, that believers individually and believers corporately together. Um, Separatists, Christians or churches that we would categorize as separatists, it's church against culture church against culture okay cultural or blenders would be church of culture and you can hardly tell them apart from the culture they live in and then ambassadors or good faith is church in and for culture now notice scripture says that we're in the world but we're not of the world but we are in culture and we are for Culture. I'll explain as we compare a little further. Um, with separatists, they have unbending disapproval. Unbending disapproval. You're just going to hell, and that's it. So, unbending disapproval of anybody that they get really mad that sinners sin. Cultural gives uncritical acceptance and uncritical acceptance total disapproval acceptance of everything and then what we have here with ambassadors or good faith is what we'll call countercultural countercultural and by counter I don't mean against I mean offering a different way let me counter with this let me show you a better way uh, Christians in the in the early years and in the book of Acts They were originally called the way, the way. And we're trying to show a better way. So 
against, of, in, and for. Let's compare a little bit more. Separatists, they bring condemnation. Condemnation. Cultural brings license. Do what you want. Ambassadors bring hope. There's a better way. And we have hope for those who have not yet found Jesus. Thank you, all three of you. We have hope for our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones that that don't know the Lord. We're hoping for them. Amen. Amen. Now, what is our subtitle again? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. So watch this. Separatists, that's all truth. Just truth alone. Cultural, that's grace. And just grace alone. Ambassador's good faith is grace and truth truth and they must be kept together in that way john chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 a new verse that i found this week (laughs) for god so loved the world that he gave up on him that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life look at verse 17 i love it even more For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, everybody say through him, through him might be saved. Now look with me in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, and we know this from the context, is Jesus. God put on flesh. He's the living word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Help me out with this. Full of what? Let's do it again. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. In in the book of Mark, in Mark's account of uh, the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus is teaching. There's, I mean, people have emptied out the villages and come out to hear him on on the hillside. And uh, they're without food now. They've been out there a long time. And Jesus said, we've got to get food for them. So Peter said, I'll call Pizza Hut. <laughs> no. They, di- they didn't have, you know, no one delivered or anything else. And so he said, you know, let's, let's feed them. And they said, well, all that we have is two fish and five loaves of bread. And Jesus took them and miraculously multiplied those, fed everybody. The scripture says everybody was full. Everybody was full. And then they took up the leftovers, and there were 12 baskets full. Everybody say full. It's the same Greek word as Jesus, full of grace and truth. Those baskets were full. Okay, let me, let me uh, illustrate it this way. How many of you have bought a bag of potato chips lately? <laughs> and you open them up, and what is it three quarters of? air. Now they try to fool you and say, we do that because we want to protect your chips. I say, get better bags or something, you know? So you open them up and my kids, they still don't know how to open up potato chip bag and it's all torn down the side and everything. Listen, my dad, he's in heaven now, but my dad, my dad worked for Frito-Lay. So I know how to, I know how to do these things, but, um, you open them up, you know, and it's always a disappointment. And when I'm at the grocery store, I'm kind of feeling them all. I'm waiting. (laughs) Security, potato chip aisle, you know. I'm kind of feeling, I think this one has a little bit more because I want what? I want full. And so Jesus is full 
of grace and truth. Now get this, how he entered and interacted in a pre-Christian world is the same way that you and I are to enter and interact in a post-Christian world. And how is that? Full of grace and truth. Amen. Now, I want to read a number of things for you real quickly as I compare grace and truth together and apart. Grace and truth is a divine combination and they must be kept together. Uh, It is said that truth is just as mean as grace is nice. Truth alone sweeps away bad things, but it also sweeps away the people who do bad things. Grace alone loves you no matter what, but gives you no boundaries. So either one, truth without grace or grace without truth, we're going to get bad results. Grace is the unconditional love and foundation upon which all healing of the human spirit and soul rest. Grace is the DNA of God. It's the essence of God. Grace must be combined with truth, though. Grace must be combined with truth. Grace is relational. Truth is structural. Grace is relational. Truth is structural. Truth without grace is judgment. Truth without grace is judgment. It declares all to be guilty and sends everybody to hell. Because we are only loved then, if it's just truth, we are only loved if we get it all right. And none of us can get it all right. Grace without truth gives license. It's sloppy. It offers no place of traction for any progress. And grace by itself requires nothing of us. Compare two teachers. Call one teacher truth and the other one grace. You go into one teacher's, come on, think back, junior high, high school, whatever. You go into Mr. Truth's class, and you can do nothing right. And he's got a red pencil, and he loves to mark up everything that you do, and you're late, and that's going to cost you, and, and, and it is just so rigid. You don't feel welcome. You're never going to make it. And if you're a kid like me, I rolled up my window, and that was it because I'm not going to make it. We're just going to fail. Then you go to Mrs. Grace's class, and she's just happy with everybody. And do what you want. And if you're late, oh, that's funny. And, and just let you get away with everything and loves you. But you learn nothing. So what we have to do is get this together, both grace and truth. Look with me in John, back in John chapter 1 again in verse 16. Out of his, here it is again, fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. It's grace upon grace. Verse 17, watch this. For the law, let me go ahead and tell you this, truth, truth, law was given through Moses. Grace, come on, help me. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 18 though. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God, part of the Trinity, and is in closest relationship with the father, watch this, has made him known. Jesus said in one other place, if you've seen me, you've seen what? You've seen the Father. If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. And here in the context of all of this, truth came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. And Jesus is saying, and if you see me, 
You see the Father. And I want you to know that our Father God, and look at all of his names and titles in Scripture. He is a God of grace and truth. Say it with me. Grace and truth. And I believe with all my heart, every fiber of my being, we are to be a people full of grace and truth. Can I get a good man? Amen. Adam Meadowbrook this morning. All right, watch this. We're going to go to John chapter eight and I'm uh, going to read a just incredible portion of scripture here. We're going to start in verse two here. At dawn, he, Jesus appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. All the people gathered around him. Lots of folks. Jesus did more than three services. Okay. And he sat down to teach them. Verse 3. The teachers of the law, truth, and the Pharisees, extra truth, brought in a woman caught in adultery. Other translations in the language reveals caught in the very act of adultery. They made her stand before the group. That's beautiful. Think of the shame that they put on her. They stood her. Here's Jesus. He's got all these people around him. They bring her right in front of him and shame this woman. Look in verse 4. And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Verse 5. In the law, truth, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? So this is all truth. Y'all listen. That was truth. Under the law that Moses delivered, this was truth. They're asking Jesus. That's truth, right? Now, what do you say? Verse 6. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. They weren't so much interested in stoning her as they were in stoning him. They wanted to get him to somehow come against the law of Moses. But Jesus bent over and started to write on the ground with his finger. We'll see what he wrote in just a moment. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. You know what he was saying? You want truth? Do you really want truth? If you live by the sword, you're about to die by the sword. So let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. All right, let's go truth. Verse 8. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. I'll tell you what he wrote in just a minute. Verse 9. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, because they have more wisdom and experience, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Verse 10. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, watch this. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Watch this. Neither do I condemn you, grace. Go now and leave your life of sin. Truth. Grace. Truth. If he'd gone only with truth, she'd be dead under a pile of rocks. Are you hearing me? But Jesus, he didn't go against truth. Okay, that's truth. But if you want truth, then you really got to live by truth. But Jesus 
Grace and truth came through Jesus. I don't condemn you either. Now listen, if he had only given her truth, she'd be dead. If he only gave her grace, then he'd say, it's all right. You know, everybody messes up. Have a good day. Fix your, fix your hair. And would have sent her off. Nothing would have changed. And when you're going the wrong way and, quote, things don't change, things get worse. But what he offered her, look, he freed her. He forgave her. And now he gave her the opportunity to change and to grow. See, with truth only, we're all going to fail. It's over. You know, but with grace and truth, we're, we're freed, we're forgiven, we have a chance to grow. We have a chance to change. Amen? Well, you want to know what he wrote? I think the first time, because they're saying, hey, it's what the law says. Jesus kind of ignored him, and he got down, and he began to write. And the first time, I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. <laughs> the first time he wrote, where's the dude? And then they kept questioning him, and he goes, okay, if you really want truth, if you want to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. But let any of you that are without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. Knelt back down and he wrote again. And here's what I think he wrote. And again, I can't prove it. You can't disprove it. I think he wrote some lady's name. And it was the mistress of one of the Pharisees. And he suddenly, uh, I've got an appointment back at the <laughs> And another one, he wrote an amount down, dollar sign and amount. And that's, that's the total that somebody had been stealing from where they worked. And then he wrote an address down. And somebody recognized that as an address that he certainly didn't want anybody to know he was going to. And one by one, they all left. Listen, none of us can afford to live by just truth. We must have grace and truth if we're going to make it. Amen. Thank God for grace and truth. So what do we do? How how can we live out this grace and truth in a culture that doesn't get us or thinks that we're past or they've, they've, they've got perceptions about us already? What does grace and truth look like as we interact with the culture around us? How can we give this new view? I want to share four things with you real quick. The first is this. Become more self-aware. Read it with me. Become more self-aware. The other morning, Alicia and I had gone for a walk, and uh, we get back to the house, and we're sitting on the steps just kind of cooling off. And she's sitting by me on the steps, and she's got her phone, and she's doing something with her phone, Snapchat or something. I don't know. She, she's doing something, and she said, just stay just like you are. Just stay just like you are. And so, all right. So I just stayed just like I was, and the phone came around, and then I could see I'm in the phone. She goes, say something. I go, uh, good morning. <laughs> and I said, don't use that for anything. And she goes, it's just for the kids. And I said, let me see it first. So I see it, and I'm just kind of sitting there, and it's, you know, it's, it's me, you know, but I'm just, she said, just stay like you are. And I looked, and I said, don't send that anywhere. I said, I look grumpy. And she goes, that's the way you look. <laughs> Seriously, I'm, I'm like the most happy guy I know. 
I am carefree. It is not. Do it again. Take two. And, and listen, since then, I've been in the mirror. Because, listen, when I, was, when I was a teenager, I remember these religious men at church, and they looked like deep-sea fish. <laughs> Give your life to God, and you can be like us. I thought, No. No, and now I see myself on video. It's like, destroy that now. What do we, we must be more self-aware. Are you hearing me? If we're presenting a message to the world of the grace and the peace of God, but we look like, you know, all of our friends have left us and, you know, we lost our phone and no Wi-Fi and we're just, you know. Then the other morning I'm coming back from the gym and school bus on, on the road toward my house had stopped. And it had the door open and it had the stop sign out. And there were six cars behind that bus. And then I stopped going the opposite direction because that's two-lane road. And before I know it, there are three cars behind me. So we've got ten cars and a bus with a door open and the, and the stop, stop sign out. And I don't see any kids. All of a sudden, I see Funky Winker Bean come along. Got his earbuds in and just dragging his stuff. And I thought, kid, come on, kid. <laughs> and I think some of us, we just kind of drag through life and we're not even aware of what we look at. Some of y'all got like 21 religious and political bumper stickers on your car. Go down to like one or something, okay? But I mean, we must become more self-aware. How are we presenting ourselves to the world around us? Let's keep going. All right, secondly, got to hurry. Do something that makes people look favorably in God's direction. Do something that makes people look favorably in God's direction. Jesus said this, shine, have good works, treat people right. Let them see your good works. Not let them see your picket signs, your tweets, your Facebook rants, your scowls, your lectures, but your good works. If you go out to lunch today and you're going to tip, tip. Don't give them a track. Give them a tip and give them a good tip. Are you here? Because otherwise you got stinking Christians. No, instead, you want to go, you know what? Those are some sweet people and they're generous. Do something that makes people look favorably in God's direction. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, I know you can hear me. <laughs> Thirdly, hold your convictions. Keep your convictions. Keep them. Hold on to them. Scriptural authority. Remember we talked about that. But be gracious, be gracious. Look in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Hold on to your convictions, but be gracious to people. And the last one is this. Live the letters. Live the letters. What do you mean, live the letters? Uh, the epistles, the New Testament books of the Bible, the epistles, they're called epistles, but they are letters. And what they are, it was letters from the leaders, Paul and Peter and John. That, and it was telling you how to live the New 
New Testament Christian life, how to live it. Just get into the letters and read them. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and on and on and on. Go ahead and get into those. Read them. They're short. And just take your time with them. Just in 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 alone, in the first 10 verses, here's what it'll tell you. And this will tell you how to live and, and give a new view. It says, grow in faith, live pure, treat people right, work on your own issues, Walk properly toward those who see things differently. Mind your own beeswax. (laughs) Work hard and live a quiet life. And all that summed together shows how well we love, what we believe, and how we live. And that is good faith for the world that is around us. Jesus came full of grace and truth. He revealed the Father to be full of grace and truth. And he lives in us. Hear me, church. He lives in us, full of grace and truth. He can help us. He can help us to live more full of grace and truth. Now listen to me. Some of y'all are gracers. Some of y'all are truthers. Are you hearing me? And if you fall off the horse on one side or the other, I'd rather be a gracer. But you know what? We've got to be both. God help us to be both. Grace and and truth. That's the way Jesus interacted with a pre-Christian world. That's the way you and I, as ambassadors of good faith, we're going to interact with a post-Christian world. Amen? Did y'all get anything at all out of this this morning? All right. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.